0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to someone I've been a fan of for a long time. His name is Humble the Poet, and he's a Canadian-born rapper, spoken word artist, poet, international best-selling author, and a former elementary school teacher. And what began for him as reciting spoken word poetry in coffee shops to, of all things, impress girls, it evolved over time into a creative adventure that's now spanned the last decade, crossing genres, mediums, and oceans. He has two previous books that have come out, Unlearn, and Things Nobody Can Teach Us that have become bestsellers themselves. And we are gonna have a conversation today about his highly anticipated next book, How to Be Love: Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfections, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. It comes out on December 27th, so, uh, if you don't yet have a copy, you gotta grab a copy of this book. Please welcome Humble the Poet to the Rise Together podcast. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis. I'm the host of this show where we're gonna hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told, or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. Hello, sir.
1: Thank you so much for having me. How
0: are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You uh, are a wordsmith, if nothing else, a thing that I aspire to be. Uh, I tend to write the longest sentences in the history of time. Having just read uh, your book, you're so good at capturing exactly what you want to say in a succinct amount of words. And I am here for it, man. But before we (laughs) dive into the book, I tried to give just a little taste of who you are in your own words Would you introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, give them just a little sense of kind of where you've been and why you believe yourself to be on this planet?
1: Yes, so I go by the name of Humble the Poet. I am a Toronto-born artist. I'm extremely proud of being from Toronto, one of the most diverse cities on the planet, Uh, a city where more than half the population wasn't born in the country, and that really held space for people to be who they were. Uh, They spent less time having to find comfort in their own skin, you know, from an ethnic perspective and it allowed them to figure out who they were from an archetype perspective. So uh, it held space for me to figure out that I'm a professional weirdo mm. and, and an artist and I put ideas together and, and I'm super grateful to the city for that. And, you know, before all of this, I was an elementary school teacher and um, before that I was a telemarketer. So I've been talking my way, communicating, communicating, Putting words together forever, and um, you know, during the spoken during my years as a teacher, I got into spoken word poetry, hip hop. Um, initially, as you mentioned, to you know, great way to meet girls and have an icebreaker at a coffee shop. And then, very slowly, I started realizing the importance of, of my ability to put words together to help people make sense of how they were feeling, um, what they were going through, and what was happening around the world. And um, I believe we're all part of an important system and as we all know especially coming out of the the pandemic art kept a lot of people afloat whether it was tiger king or a podcast or music while you were in your car so i view i take my job very serious you know uh, and and bringing creativity and beauty and adding new things to the world so we can keep things moving and and still appreciate the beauty that that is here i
0: love it i love it speaking of love we're going to talk about love today uh yes. this <laughs> this thing that i think uh, at our core is something that every single person who's listening or alive has a deep desire for, and uh, man, it can make us do crazy things. It can make us, uh, in in some aspect, I'll just speak for myself. I know my desire for love has had me deny me being me, so that I could get that love. Has had me achieving to try and get that love. Has had me doing all sorts of crazy things. I think part of why I love your book is it it really has helped me see, wow in doing the things that I thought I needed to do to get love, I was not loving myself. And in in a compromised state where I don't love myself, how could I possibly get the kind of love that I want, let alone give the love that someone I care about deserves? Why don't we start just talking about what we do wrong when it comes to love?
1: Yeah. So I I think the authentic, you know, I think what we can even start before that is the authentic desire for love. You know, I think every thing everybody does is for love that is our main motivator for everything what ends up happening is like you're really thirsty and you know you have a bottle of water in front of you and then you have a cup of coffee and you choose the coffee and maybe in the first 10 seconds you feel like it's quenching your thirst but it's actually dehydrating you and making you thirsty and causing you know giving you anxiety and then you start to blame you know your thirst when really it, w- it was the coffee. And it's, I think it's the same thing when it comes to love. We we want love, but there are so many bootleg versions of love, things that look like love, sound like love, can potentially feel like love in the short term, but they're not love. That's like attention, affection, validation, power, control, admiration, success, fame, all of these kind of external things. Um can really feel like love. I'm living in Los Angeles right now, and it's definitely the city of people who felt like they were denied this idea of unconditional love. So they came here thinking, I'll get really famous, and that will mean I feel loved by everybody. And again, just like the coffee is going to leave them even more thirsty. So I think the big the, the big mistake is realizing that love isn't something that you earn or achieve. It's not a reward. It's not the... Uh, It's not the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, love is love is the default. Love is what's there when everything else has been removed. Mm. So instead of becoming something or thinking you need to be worthy or enough, realize that worthy and enough aren't measurements of a human being. You know, um, enough applies to your gas tank. Do I have enough gas to get home? Do I have enough money to buy this movie ticket? Am I enough of a person that is, you know, in so many ways, it's not a way to measure we have that idea because we live in a society that needs us to feel like we're not enough to make us buy a bunch of stuff. Yeah. to Potentially feel enough temporarily. And what that does is that has us thinking that we have to earn, um, love from others. We have to be something to, to be worthy, um, or qualified for love. Um, whether that's uh, a certain body fat percentage, a certain income, uh, you know, a symmetrical face, whatever it may be. And all we have to do is look at our authentic relationships and realize that's not true. Every single person you love, you can probably list out their imperfections. And none of that disqualifies them from love. And you can hold a baby for the first time, especially a baby you're related to, and it will fill your heart full of love. The baby hasn't even done anything. How has it filled your heart with love? Because love is the default. What it is, is actually your relationship with that child is a pathway. That child is showing you where love is. So the, the better way to understand love is look at it as a breeze and the work that we have to do is opening our sails, mm. you know, it's, and, the, and the breeze is always there. We don't have to do anything other than focus on opening our sails. And oftentimes it's just a lot of junk, a lot of distractions uh, that getting in the way. So the theme of everything I ever write is about letting, letting go to gain more.
0: So good. You know? I mean, I love the line in in the book, love isn't found or earned. It's realized. And that's what it is. It's just that appreciation that the breeze, it exists, it always has, it always will. Doesn't matter how much harder you try or what you do or how you shape shift or whatever it is. It's already always there. You just have to be present to it, which I, God, I I need to do more of. (laughs) And it's a, it's a work in progress. We all do. We all do. So if someone is listening and they've had experiences where maybe they haven't, had the healthiest relationship with love, or they thought they had to earn it, or didn't think of themselves as being worthy already or enough already. How do you think about changing some of the patterns or some of the programming that may have corrupted the way they think they need to be to get love? And where do they start?
1: I think the first place to start is, you know, as I said, like the the title of the book is, you know, simple truths for going easy on yourself. So the first thing we have to do is go easy on ourselves. Because we're going to discover a lot of trauma and challenges that kind of informed why we believe the things we believe, whoever raised us most often as our parents became our first model of what we think love is. And the creatures that we are is we'll always choose what's familiar over what's healthy or what's good for us. I always Mm. think of a friend who's um, become very successful. They grew up in a single parent household. And their mom wasn't home. She was working. So they ate mac and cheese out of the box, you know, every day after school that learned how to cook it themselves. Now they're a multimillionaire can afford a private chef and they're still eating the mac and cheese because it's familiar. It feels like home. It feels like, you know, after school cartoons. And I think it's something to be aware of. The goal here is just to be aware of it, that I am choosing what's familiar. So oftentimes we'll choose things that, you know, rhyme with the flavor of, Trauma we had growing up. So, if our father or our mother was hard to impress, we may be attracted to other people who are hard to impress. And it's on a subconscious level. And on top of that, we have media and culture that sell this idea to us that there has to be a spark, you know? And what we don't realize is that spark is actually a warning uh, that you should actually run the other way because what this person is doing is rhyming and matching that flavor of your trauma. So, I think the first thing is to realize, okay, Even if we get ourselves in situations that don't serve us best, it's not that we're morons. Um, It's that we're choosing what's familiar or we're going the exact opposite of what's familiar, but we're still related back to our upbringing because we were young. Our brains weren't developed. We looked at the world in terms of in in a shade of black or white. It was much duality. As adults, we definitely understand life is much more complex. There's more in between good and bad, right or wrong, uh, hot and cold. and but we don't upgrade some of our beliefs and our thoughts because a lot of these coping mechanisms we made to survive life as a kid carry on into adulthood. So the first thing we need to do is abandon this idea that it's either this or it's that. Secondly, we have to understand that even though things feel familiar, that doesn't necessarily mean they're good for us, you know. Um, and oftentimes we'll also lean in towards what's cheap, quick, easy, convenient. And it's like choosing fast food over healthy food. Yeah. You can definitely do it, but the longer you do it, the more it's going to chip away at you. Um, it's going to keep you feeling that you're lacking nutrients, that you're, that you're lacking something, and it's the same thing in in the world of love. We can, you know, I can chase uh, desire, power, control, um, people having people worship me, fame. All of these things can kind of feel like love in the short term, but they're not necessarily. And it's just it's raising that awareness. Next, once we kind of have that awareness, realizing that we are a source of love you know and everybody that we meet is also showing us where love is we're creating pathways with people so you know and and it's a really interesting peter crone idea where he goes instead of saying i love you just say i love Mm. and when i think about my mother my mother shows me where love is when i think of late night pizza after a party that shows me where love is you know i think about watching my favorite television shows that shows me where love is pathways of love are created with some it's easier than others and the biggest source of love that we can tap into is within ourselves. So oftentimes when we have this like, oh, I need someone to love, what we're actually saying is I want to be needed. I want to feel like I matter. And the truth is a lot of that love can be towards ourselves. So going easy on ourselves. That requires us to prioritize our self-respect over our self-esteem. Our self-esteem is how other people see us. and self-respect is how we see ourselves. One of the easiest ways to do that is to honor your commitments to yourself. Yeah, You say you're going to wake up at a certain time, wake up at a certain time. You said you're going to make your bed, make your bed. You know, Doing these little things grow self-respect. And the more self-respect we have, the less self-esteem we chase. Um, and that puts us in a really good situation to create boundaries, teach people how to treat us, become our own best friends, become a nurturing parent to ourselves. All the things that we are seeking from other people. And again, there's nothing wrong for having these beliefs because we were taught this stuff. watching the rom-coms watching the old disney films hearing ideas like you complete me as if we're some sort of incomplete individual you know and and the better way to look at it is you know i'm a pillar if i'm looking for a partner they're a pillar and the stronger we are individually the more we can hold up And, and if anything the more space we give between each other the more we can hold up and and that also gives space for love to flow between us um so i think that's a really important idea and Self-love, even around, you know, even around concepts of self-love, there's so many kind of packaged ideas. You know, self-love is taking yourself to the spa. Self-love is, you know, taking yourself shopping. Everything goes back to feeding an economy. And we have to just realize that, you know, we live in a world that has this prevalent relationship of buy stuff, be happy. So a lot of the messaging that we we hear is, you know, it's always geared around making us spend money. And the truth is you don't. Self-love is looking in the mirror and saying, when's the last time I looked at like my naked body and, and wasn't looking from a critical lens? You know, when's the last time I realized like literally my body, my physical body has been with me as an actual day one friend to me. And no matter what I do, how I feed it, how I treat it, not stretching, not sleeping properly, not drinking enough water, it tries its best to keep me up. When's the last time I looked at it and actually said, thank you. When's the last time I picked a body part and said, that's my favorite body part. Instead of saying, oh, I can lose 10 pounds over there. Oh, yeah. I wish my shoulders were bigger. Oh, I wish my face was more symmetrical. And that's where it can start. It can start with this authentic gratitude and and, and being like, I I appreciate who I am as I am. Yeah.
0: Well, you it's know? interesting because I, I love that there's a chapter that perfection is the enemy of love. Or perfect is the enemy of love. I think for a lot of us, I'll speak for myself, there are plenty of times where the negative self-talk or whatever, my fear, my insecurities chirp out of a place of not wanting to honor all of the compartments and components of my humanity, the stuff that I'm still working on. And it compromises what I believe is a lovability for me not being as far along in my journey, as not healed as much as I'd like, as, as not whatever, dot, dot, dot. Talk a little bit about this idea of perfection and kind of where I think it might <laughs> dive into some of the ego conversation that you have too, but like, why, why do we feel this way? And is there a way for us to get into a place, when I think of self-love, I think of loving all of who I am, including all the messy parts that aren't the way I hope for them to be as I continue on this road of growth.
1: You know the quick answer is: first of all, perfect doesn't exist. It it doesn't exist in any capacity. And again, we 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 live in a world that literally depends on us spending money on things, and and they and things are turned into an economy. So how you what you wear, how you exercise, um, what creams you put on your face, everything requires us to feel like something is missing, and we have to do something more. And we were striving for this endless perfection. And now in a world of social media, people can create moments that seem perfect. They can suck in their gut, take a picture. They can Photoshop. They can get rid of all the blemishes. And then that subtly sends more messages that this is what we have to be. Even though those people themselves, I'm I'm in Hollywood. I have friends who are in entertainment. Some of them are, are beautiful creatures genetically, but none of them look like what you see on social media. You know, none of them at all. They create a moment, capture that moment. And then, you know, the posture goes away, all of that. What what we have to realize is, A, nobody's perfect. B, everybody we love isn't perfect. We know they're not perfect and it doesn't matter to us. And C, what's more important than perfection is progress. You know, steadily making progress every day. And also, especially when it comes to love, the only way you can connect with somebody, the only way you and I can connect and actually create a deeper relationship is through our vulnerabilities. Yeah. If I was perfect, I wouldn't have any vulnerability which means it would by default make it impossible for me to connect with you. To be perfect is to disqualify ourselves from love, even if it was possible. And the thing is really important to understand that, that our vulnerabilities, the things that make us quote unquote imperfect are what will bond us together. The things that We can work on, and I think we should be working on things. I'm not. I'm not saying. You know. I'm saying love yourself for who you are, but definitely focus on progress. And and this is important. You know. uh, You know. By the time people are listening to this, we're getting to the new year. Don't set New Year's resolutions. You're already telling yourself that I'm. You know. If I say I want to lose ten pounds, you're telling yourself I don't accept myself as I am, and I need to lose ten pounds to accept myself. But by the time you lose that ten pounds, you're gonna set a new goal. So you're constantly reminding yourself that you're inadequate and saying that here are conditions for me to accept myself. When the truth is, accept yourself as you are, but pick a direction and head that way. You know, pick pick um an intention. Pick pick a goal. It could be anything, but it, let it let it be through an intentional lens. So instead of saying I need to lose 10 pounds, say I want to be healthier. I want to I want to make healthier choices. I'm going to start with my breakfast and over the month of January, I'm going to slowly pick out parts of my breakfast that I don't think are healthy and put in healthier decisions. Or I'm going to add in an apple, even if I'm eating some sugary cereal, or I'm going to add in a banana. I'm going to make small improvements. And every day that progress matters and that progress feeds the self-respect, which again, keeps us from chasing the self-esteem. So focusing on that progress is, is a really important thing when it comes to what actually we can do. On top of that, it can be endless. We can endlessly make progress and understand that we can make progress until we, we die. We're, we're a work of art. And our last day is the day our credits roll. And I think that's an extremely important idea because what we're doing is we're opening flows of love and we're allowing ourselves to do that. And I think it's also just a a good point to to remind people, especially from a physical standpoint, if everybody ate perfectly, if everybody worked out, everybody would still have very different looking bodies. There is no perfect body. There's no such thing. And if you were perfect, nobody could relate to you in any capacity. Um, So let's not chase perfect. Let's chase imperfect. And again, I again I understand it. Like we we watch our favorite athletes because we want to see a perfect performance. Um, you know, we 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 watch all this, you know, carefully curated films and everything. But at the end of the day, that's still that's not a reality. And reality is where we need to kind of ground ourselves in if we want to feel the beauty and peace of love. Yeah.
0: I want to go back to one of the things that you said about vulnerability as a requirement for connection. Because in a way that's been so counterintuitive for a person who absolutely gets it on an intellectual level, but has a hard time applying it in a relationship, the things that I struggle with the most, the sources of shame that I have, it's so hard for me to feel like I can share them and be loved back. And also I could correlate when I felt the deepest amounts of intimacy, the most connection, real love, Every single time, it was when I was showing all of who I was, including the parts that I had shame, including the struggle that I was going through, and yet there's still fear because there's this worry of, well, what if they reject me for having this struggle or what if they don't like me? And what I've come to realize is every time I've denied part of who I am in not sharing because of the worry of rejection, the person I let down the most is myself because Mm -hmm. I'm in some ways reminding myself either on a conscious or subconscious level that I don't love myself enough to own all of who I am. And mm-hmm. so my work has been, man, just own, you got to own all of it because yeah. yeah, there is an imperfect nature to you and the complex you know, thing that is being a human, but also you want to be seen for who you are and love back, not seen for who you've created yourself to be in some way that denies part of your story. And so, um, it's just such a big thing. Talk a little bit more about vulnerability and wh- either why it's tough. I, I, I'm going to guess for me, it's ego oriented, but <laughs> I, I don't know if you've got a, a finger on you know, why. Why is it hard for us to be vulnerable when we are also desperate to be loved?
1: Yeah. So I think, and again, I, I always want to look at it through the lens of being easier on ourselves. So I think the first thing is, is to look at it. Is the way I like looking at it is like you know, if you bought a phone today, any brand. It already comes with a bunch of software on it a bunch of apps a bunch of stuff you didn't ask for those things but they're there so it's the same thing being a human we we have been around you know i think in civilized form for like forty thousand years we we have some software built in and a lot of that software is was designed around us living in small communities so one of those you know us living we, we lived in villages and, and tribes and, and 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 you know communities no bigger than 1500 people in those situations, rejection from the community meant death. Mm. You know, if you if you cross the line, if you if you broke a rule, if you did something that went against what the tribe needed to be done, they they kick you out and you would die. So rejection, and even though we're in modern society, which is max three four generations for me is one generation. My parents grew up in a small village, you know, so that's in our DNA. That's yeah. in our coding. That's 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 an act. so rejection feels like death and we know it's not death and no. and, And also we're no longer living in small communities where we can even be rejected. I live in a city of 14 million people. If people in my building don't like me, I can move three blocks away and never see them again. That's the logical side but this stuff is embedded into us and it's embedded over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So we have to hold, we have to just be easy on ourselves because this is in our programming. It's not going away anytime soon. It'll probably be in our grandkids. Um, but the awareness of it makes all the difference. And you start to realize like, okay, if I can, I don't even want to say hack that programming. It's just move despite it. Because I think what you start to realize is, and I think we have a lot of examples in, in, in real life people who can move move forward despite worrying what people think about them and and prior and and not prioritize being likable um they go very far in life yeah you know they go very far in life and they actually actually still are very likable and there's a chapter in the book you know where we talk about to be lovable doesn't always mean likable you know it means standing up for yourself it means doing these things so I think the fear of rejection is completely normal. The paranoia is completely normal. These were very useful tools for thousands and thousands of years for us. And again, modern society came very quickly, max 150 years. We haven't adapted and adjusted. It's going to take us another thousand years to do that. So be easy on yourself for worrying about rejection. It's, it's, it's an old app on your phone that you can't delete. That's all it is. <laughs> Um, and just be mindful of it. And I think secondly, you know, the vulnerability again, as, as, as a young man who grew up in a, uh, a semi-challenging neighborhood, you know, you viewed vulnerability as a weakness and you held yourself accordingly as a survival method. It wasn't even to be cool. You had to act a certain way just to survive the space that you were in. It, it, It could also be in your household. You know, I grew up in a suck it up household. Um, I self, I overly self-regulated. I knew my family would be there in emergencies. I had emergency coverage from my family. If I was really in trouble, they had my back. But the small things, you know, what if I had a crush? What if I needed help with my homework? What if I just wasn't feeling good and couldn't pinpoint why? Never would I have gone to my family. That's just, and I think that's a lot of, that's indicative of a lot of households, uh, especially, uh, children of immigrants. And, and it's not like our parents didn't like us. They were in survival mode, trying their best. Prioritizing feeding us, you know, physically feeding us. So it teaches us, you know, and it subtly, we subtly get these cues that, you know, okay, you know, when you're a child, you express your needs, you get rejected, you you're made to feel ashamed. That rejection terrifies you. It's like, okay, don't don't express my needs again. Also, you know, as a as a heterosexual male, when you're really young, you're dating and both you and and the girls that you're pursuing don't necessarily know the difference between the word assertive and aggressive. So then you then you're taught then you think to yourself, okay, being aggressive is what means being assertive. So you start to you know to overplay this kind of alpha male, you know, caveman kind of concept. And you know again, some of the girls that you're chasing have fathers like that, so it's familiar to them, they find it attractive. But then you start to realize as an adult when you start to really unpack all of this stuff because you're because you're feeling the weight of it it's that there is there isn't an authentic connection being made there yeah and the authentic connection comes from that and i and i mean when i left my job as a teacher to become an artist i left on the pretense that i thought i got a music deal i make music as well um the music deal fell through and then things weren't going well for me financially and what have you but i was still getting a few cool opportunities and one opportunity i got was performing at lollapalooza i paid out of my pocket to get there paid for the hotel what I think I, I profited. I didn't profit. I was, uh I got 50 bucks to be on stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I probably spent $400 just trying to figure out how to get there. And I remember people being like, and this is like early social media time. Oh my God, things are looking so great. And I remember telling the first time, like being like, look, things actually aren't good. I'm struggling financially. I'm getting opportunities. They're not paying. I'm figuring it out. You know, I'm, I'm tr- figuring it out. And I remember the first time I did that thinking the person was going to judge me and shame me, but what, what, what had actually happened was it made them feel comfortable to share their struggles with me. A friend sent me the, the famous Steve Jobs quote about, you know, make decisions as if it was the last day of your life. And I was like, you know, I needed to hear this because I've been pressuring myself, doing a lot of press, trying to promote my book and really trying to figure out what, what was my desire behind making this book successful. And it wasn't, oh, I need more money or, oh, I need more followers. It was, you know what i've made certain decisions i've, I've ended relationships I've, I've, I've kind of taken myself off of a traditional lifestyle i feel like being a successful artist is the only way to justify those choices yeah like oh i didn't you know all my friends have kids and i don't even have a, a prospective wife but it's okay i'm an avant-garde artist and i sell books and this is what i had to do you know i had to let it all go for this and i was like it's a, and it's an invisible pressure that i created for myself and. Telling this to a friend and then he immediately sends me a voice message about his insecurities around wanting to have a startup and not wanting to leave his job. And even his wife saying, look, it's okay. we will figure out how to pay the bills, even if you want to quit your job and chase your dreams. And him still having this fear around it because, you know, he's kind of created a lifestyle and he's like, well, I can't afford my Tesla or whatever. And I don't want people to know I'm struggling. But we had this moment of vulnerability and I've known him for 20 years, but we just got even closer. And, you know, he's like, thank you for telling me that story. I was like, thank you for telling me that story. And I'm not going to lie to you. There are going to be people that will not receive your vulnerability because they're not ready to be vulnerable. And had you met me 10 years ago, I would have thought, you know, you were weak for doing the same thing. But I think from that standpoint, it's really important that we recognize that vulnerability is the only currency to creating deep connections. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, vulnerability feels like one of the things that you could pursue to simplify what feels like a fairly complicated topic in love. But are there other tips or tricks that you have come up with or have, I mean, I know you've laid them out in the book in a way that feels like a little bit of a roadmap of how to uncomplicate love. Um, What what advice would you give give to someone who's like, "Ah, I just don't know. I don't get it. Why is it so hard?
1: Yeah. So love is simple, but not easy. That's always something that I like to say, you know, something that's simple, but not easy. Some of the, the, some of the tips I would give, I think number one, you know, the, the analogy is an easy day at the gym is not a good day. You know, it's gotta get, it's gotta be hard. Yeah. Um. Let's apply that to life. Again, we live in an economy that wants to sell us this idea. You know, you're on social media, it's like a oh, passive income. You can sit down and play video games all day. And it's like, and even with that, an easy video game, isn't a good video game. We, we need difficulty. We need a push and pull in life. So, and life will bring us challenges. So what I recommend is chase challenges, chase difficulties, do them voluntarily. I do, I do ice baths. I, I think I was fortunate enough to go to Poland and train with Wim Hof. And you learn this idea, like I am voluntarily putting myself in one of the most uncomfortable situations I'll ever experience. And I'm doing it regularly. And I feel like I'm going to die for the first minute, but I'm voluntarily doing it. And because I'm voluntarily doing it, I'm building a level of resilience. So when life gets difficult, you know, I'm much more prepared and much more resilient. And I think that's really important. Chase challenges, whatever they may be. Be okay with sucking. You know, I was a, I was a school teacher. It takes 10 years. It's a 10 year program to get a kid to read. If I want, you know, if I want a human being to be able to read my book, they had to learn the letters. Then the sounds of the letters. Then two-letter words, three-letter words, four-letter words. They work. That doesn't happen overnight. That's literally my books probably at a maybe a fifth, sixth grade reading level. I, my rule is no words bigger than mayonnaise. So I keep I keep it simple. But that's still ten years for a kid to get there. Anything you want to start, whether you want to bake cakes, whether you want to draw, paint, dance, be okay with not being perfect in the beginning. Yeah, those baby steps matter, and we've done it before. It's just somebody else created that structure for us. And I think that's a really important thing. There is a story in in here about, you know, one of the easiest ways to, loneliness isn't a lack of people in your life, it's a lack of connection. And the most important thing we can do is, is build connection with ourselves. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to dance. Just dance, close your blinds, play some music, and just dance. Feel your body, create a connection with your body. So often, you know, the vast majority of romantic relationships people are in is really just outsourcing someone to address your loneliness. And they're not authentic connections. And we can see that with our extremely high divorce rates. You know, build a healthy connection with yourself um, so you can love when you're ready. You can love someone else when you're ready, not just because you're lonely. You know, and then again, I'm not here to judge people who feel lonely. As I said, this is about going easy on ourselves. It's about building that awareness. Um, And then pragmatic tips when it comes to, you know, we've been focusing a lot on loving love for self, which I think is the foundation, but even just simple basics when it comes to loving others, whether it's romantic, whether it's friendship, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a work colleague, love is fuel, not glue. Again, there's this idea that love keeps us together. Love doesn't keep anyone together love is what keeps you working at it Mm. and you can be smitten and obsessed with an individual you will still have to work to create a relationship with that person modern relationships are much different than what we've had before again we're not in small villages anymore and we're not all interconnected now now we're all couples living in little shelves in these little apartments everywhere in isolation and your partner is not just a romantic partner. They're a financial partner. They're a co-parent. They're a business partner. They're a best friend. They're a date. There are a whole bunch of things. And there's going to be challenges. And, and communication is going to be key. And work. It's going to be work and labor. And if you wait till a long after a long day at your job to come and try to address that, you're not going to have the energy to address it. And prioritizing that, I think, is really important. Also, for people that we love, we have this urge to share our lives with them. You know, like, I love you. I want you to hear my favorite music. I want you to watch my favorite movies. Let's flip that. I love you. I want to see your favorite movie. I want to hear your favorite music. I want to know your activities. So if you, you know, with your kids, if you have kids, figure out what they authentically like. Put them in positions to discover that instead of having, trying to live through them and have and, and have them follow in your footsteps. Um, if you're a grandparent, same thing. If you're a friend, the same thing. Listening with intention, you know, not listening to respond, listening with intention to understand, be much more curious. The, 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 the antidote to being judgmental is curiosity, you know, so let's chase, you know, let's chase being curious and learning about people. Um, I'm, I'm in the city where when you spoke, speak with someone, you can see them looking over your shoulder trying to find the next best thing mm. that is dooming them to a life of isolation. So understand that to create meaningful connections means being vulnerable, but also being available. I have a very thorough chapter in the book about how to listen and understanding that even my own empathy, you know, as as somebody who self-regulated and grew up in a quote unquote culture of toxic masculinity. It was this idea that when somebody shared pain with me, it would trigger my pain. So I wanted to solve their problem. But really, I just wanted to shut them up so I didn't have to feel my pain anymore because mm. they were triggering my pain. And then, you know, it, it took a lot of work and, and a medicine journey to help me realize that empathy is feeling the pain and just shutting up and giving giving them a hug and just sitting in the pain together. Yeah, Unpleasant emotions are not our enemy. They are messengers. They are alarms. The reason we have mental health issues is because we try to suppress these. Anxiety isn't your enemy. Anxiety is your friend. Anxiety is telling you something. Mental health issues is trying to shut down the anxiety versus listening to it, journaling it, writing it out, breathing through it. And it's really important when you connect with somebody, when there are unpleasant emotions to sit with them together, because it's not you versus the other person. It's you and that other person versus the problem. But a lot of this, again, starts with ourselves. And as we strengthen our relationship with ourselves, it puts us in a better situation to be with others. And and one last one, back to the idea of being likable. Self-love is showing your teeth. Setting boundaries, standing up for yourself. And this is important because even though you fear not being liked because you stand up for yourself, the alternative is living in a world of resentment. And resentment is one of the darkest emotions humans can feel. And that's going to close off all your pathways to love your pathways to your love with yourself and with others. So it's better to stand up for yourself. It's better to let somebody know that they can't there's certain lines they can't cross because then you won't resent them. You let them know how you feel and you're not closing off pathways of love and you're, not, and you're not constantly stirring and ruminating in these same thoughts about how somebody mistreated you. So please show your teeth. Don't prioritize being likable because that in itself can close off pathways to of love.
0: What's interesting is I as a people pleaser, I find myself shape-shifting into who I think someone needs to be in all kinds of relationships. And what I've come to appreciate is, uh, you you know, you you said, don't do it so that you don't resent them. Interestingly, I always assigned the resentment that I felt to them for having made me do something to be loved a certain way. And it's only recently that I realized that I should have been directing the resentment to myself because I was denying, you know, myself the dignity or respect of... Being able to stand up for what I believe in or what I need, not in an mm. aggressive way, but just in a way that did, in fact, show my teeth just a little bit, as you say, which I love. You just dropped so many things. I want to go back to just two. I'm, I just so that if someone missed it, hear these words again. Love is fuel, not glue. Ooh, love is fuel, not glue it needs to be like a t shirt, though. Cause, like, that is. You know
1: is, what? It, well, it is a t shirt. I, I, I have, and I'm, I'm just like, this is like a follow your love shirt. I have a, I have a collection. Um, Right now, and and fifty percent of the profit go to Second Harvest, which is a beautiful charity that addresses uh, hunger and food waste. So they they focus on the environment and hunger at the same time. Um, and so I do I do design clothes around this, and we have a whole collection coming out. And "Love is fuel, is not glue" is one of the the pull quotes from the book. It's amazing, and it's it, it, and it is something. As I said, like earlier, you brought up the idea of um, you know being concise with my words and even that it's a process. So I vomit out long sentences. This this book right here, uh I believe it's about 60,000 words. I wrote 140,000 words. Yeah. This was my pen. This was my pandemic lifeboat. <laughs> um and I was writing it not even knowing where I was headed at that time. I had just got out of a really important relationship and I was like you suck at love. You need to figure this out. So my days were researching love and and writing about love. But it was the process of going back and really, just kind of shaving away the stuff, and 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 that's all it really is. I'm not a, I, you know, it's 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 Kobe taking a million free throw shots yeah. when no one's watching. It's it's the same thing with the words. Is you write it out, and I was like, okay, what words can I get rid of? And, you know, I know, for example, I use the word like too much, and I use the word actually too much. I I I I literally control F'd the word actually and went through every single one and deleted the ones I could, and it became because I wanted this to be as concise. And as straightforward as possible, and and it was just is just rereading the book yeah. many, 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 many times, and uh, yeah, love is fuel, not glue, is, is a product of that. That's a good
0: one. Loneliness, you t- you touched on. I think a lot of unhealthy love is born out of trying to eradicate loneliness, and mm-hmm. I I did a a meditation by this person named Sarah Blondin last week was feeling a little lonely. And it was very specifically about loneliness. And one of the things that was said very at the very, very beginning of this meditation was that when we're lonely, it's our love for ourselves that we're most lonely for. And we're being in, in that moment uh, tricked into believing that if we had someone else, we would love ourselves better. And the whole point of this meditation was to remind ourselves that we're never alone if we can always come back to ourselves and I'm mm-hmm. an, I'm just like, I'm on this mission. Like I need to, I need to have such a strong foundation in love for self that there isn't ever a feeling of loneliness. There might be a feeling of not enough connection or not enough community But being alone is hope. I'm I'm working on it. It's a work in progress kind of thing. But I'd encourage anyone who feels alone, come back to you. You've always been there for yourself in the same way that you're talking about that body that's been there for you since the beginning of time. You know, you've always been there.
1: And it's also this idea of the reward for being alone is solitude. The punishment for being alone is loneliness. So, you know, the actual act of being by yourself isn't the issue because we all crave solitude. We crave being alone alone by ourselves. The loneliness is not because you could be al- you can feel lonely in a crowded room. Yeah. Cause it is that lack in of connection. Yeah. In, in a marriage, in, in all of these situations. And one of my favorite Nas lyrics is worse than being alone is wishing that you were. Ooh. Yeah. And it, this is what I'm saying. Hip hop, the way they put they put words together. This is this is where I learned it from. But it, it's an important idea, especially and, and this is why I frame love as as something to be realized. You know, so it's like, listen, we create pathways to love and they can be created in any way, shape or form instead of viewing it as, oh, I need your love. I need his love. It's no, you know, you're showing me where love is. And when we have things like fear, you know, fear and love won't hold hands. They're they're two different languages. They're, They're two different dialects. And it's really important that we can't do things out of fear. So having a conversation with a friend yesterday and, you know, she said, we're talking about this idea of fighting for someone who doesn't want to be with you. And she was like, well, you know, when I last broke up with my boyfriend, he kept calling me. I, I That made me know he loves me. I was like, that's not love. You you triggered a bunch of anxiety in him. And he's trying to suppress the anxiety. And the only way he can get the anxiety over, he, he literally jumped on a plane and, and flew across an ocean to, to win you back. But it was anxiety. It wasn't love. Yeah. And for you, you received validation. You, you, you got a reminder that you mattered and the more erratic his behavior was, but I'm like, none of this is sustainable. This is what people refer to as toxic. Yeah. You know? And I was like, if you loved somebody deeply and genuinely, or you had this pathway to love and they said, listen, I, I don't want, I can't have you in my life anymore. Authentic love would wish them the best. Yeah. Even if they can't be with you. Yeah. Cause you don't, yeah. you know, and then there's a chapter in the book that talks about this and it's a Shirley glass concept, which is. When you are in a relationship with somebody, you you have a window between you. You're allowing them access to you. It's not ownership, it's complete access. And you're opening that window. And then you create a wall around you and the other person. Ooh, that's good. But at the end of the day, you can't look at this as you're mine, I am yours. And again, these are brilliant ideas used to sell us ideas, to sell us stuff, sell us dreams, rom coms, pull on our heartstrings but they're what they're unhealthy and and here's the thing because the healthiest relationships that we can have are going to feel like peace and because they feel like peace they're not going to be very eventful and they wouldn't make for great tv
0: yeah
1: you know and, yeah. and so what we, when we watch when we watch our rosses and our rachels or or our bobbies and whitneys they have to be dysfunctional relationships cuz that's why we watch them wouldn't be entertaining you know? yeah my my therapist told me that she has been hired before by television to profile people, to find the most dysfunctional to cast them. Because you, you, you're not going to watch somebody who has self-love on television. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to give you a lot of, there's not going to be a lot of, you know, salt in that potato chip, you know? And, and I think it's really important that we, we, we also realize where we learn these ideas from. We learn these ideas from media, even if they themselves were informed by life. And it's really important to, to just be mindful and aware of it. And then once you have an awareness of it, you can make better decisions.
0: So good. Uh, I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this. I love this so much. I love the book. Uh, this book, if you have not uh, grabbed your copy yet, grab this book. I want to make sure I'm saying it right. Is it? Are you calling it how to be loved or how to be loved? Because I said love at the beginning and I want to make sure I didn't mess it up.
1: Yeah, so the, the reason we have... The the D in parentheses and, and I mean first shout out to to Ruben Ross, who, who who in in Los Angeles is known as the love guy and, beautiful um, we we connected as friends I, I was looking for artist friends we connected and then um, he agreed to do the book cover so he 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 spreads love all over Los Angeles and he just did a deal with the NFL you'll see his logo on uh, on their jerseys now and he has statues outside many of the stadiums but the idea was meet people where they're at and everybody wants to be loved. And the solution to being loved is to be love. View love as a verb. Love is love is an action that you, love is service. It's not some prize that you can, you know, put in your mantle. So for me, it was, you know, meeting them where they're at, which is how to be loved. But the truth is, the spoiler alert is, you know, what this book is about is how to be loved. And and that was heavily inspired by a friend of mine um, who's a dating coach who he explained to me, he goes, if I want to make a video teaching people how to love themselves, I'm going to title the video, why he won't text back, you know? Yeah. So this is as clickbaity as I was able to get, you know, I didn't want to totally do it that way. But again, I know what people want. They want more love in their lives and they think that means to be loved by more people. But the truth is it means, um, becoming a stronger source of love because Mm -hmm. the more love you give, love is not a, love is a gift. It's not alone. You know, and you don't need to give it hoping it gets returned and uh, your cup will never be empty. Your energy, you you know, you can give away too much energy. You can't give away too much love.
0: Let's go. Humble, you're great. I appreciate your work. I love that you find ways to take what's been put in your head and put on the page, put it in your spoken word, put it in all your work, all your art. Uh, if someone is interested in getting to know you and your work better, they want to know where to find the book, they want to follow you on social what are the details in the cyber world that they uh, ought to know?
1: Yeah, so the book How to Be Loved by Humble the Poet is going to be available everywhere books are sold, um Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and if you're in England Waterstones, if you're in Canada Indigo. Uh it'll be it'll be everywhere. Also on Audible. I can tell you and if you've read part of the book, you, you know, you've read the book so you know that 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 first chapter if you hear the if you get the Audible version, I'm pretty much crying for half the book. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't it was heavy. Uh, i had to read it in reverse i read all the i read all the the meat and potatoes first and then all the emotional stuff i read at the end and uh it was heavy but we got through it so if you want a, a deeper experience uh you can go on audible um and it is available everywhere me you can find me at humble the poet uh on all socials um i have a i have a i have a team of uh gen zers who uh forced me to make a uh, hilarious tiktoks and my 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 current community knows i don't like doing it so they take a lot of joy in watching me do this yep. and saying great job keep doing it I, I now know you have a book coming out it's such a it's such an interesting thing i'm not the biggest fan of social media but uh i'm definitely participating while this book is out because I, I really believe in what's in this book and i want the world to know about it uh and then also humblethepoet.com. you can you can find all my work there and you can find the book at humble the slash love if you want to find more places to get it. Um, and I also I just I I I want to thank you, David. Like I really, really appreciate the work that you do. Like this is, you know, you you've created a beautiful community, but you're having important conversations. And I think that's so amazing. And um thanks, man. I appreciate you devoting your time, energy, love, and focus towards doing this. And I'm uh, super grateful that you had me on.
0: I appreciate it. We finish with a single question every time, but instead of it being open-ended, I'm gonna ask you a pointed one. In your words, what is love?
1: Oh, I want to use a quote It's not mine, but <laughs> I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to. You can use, use my another own. quote. Well, the the beautiful quote that I include in the book from Naval Ravikant, who is my favorite non philosopher philosopher, and he said, uh, "Love is what's left when all other emotions have ceased to exist." Mm. And um, as I said, I, and for me, I'll probably say, lo- you know, love is the everything and nothing, you know. Love, you know, as as somebody who who grew up in Eastern philosophy, our egos is what separates us from everybody else, you know. And I, I like viewing myself as a, as, a, as a drop, and the membrane that surrounds the drop makes the drop think it's separate from the ocean. Love is the thing that pops that membrane, because mm-hmm. the moment you pop that membrane you cease to exist, but then you also become the ocean. So you turn into nothing and everything at once. And that's what I think love is. And anytime we've ever felt love, especially towards another person, it's we we cease to exist and they cease to exist. There's no more you and me. It's a, it's a we. And um, that's what love is for me.
0: So beautiful, man. Jeez, you're good with your words. Ah, oh, Humble, <laughs> I appreciate you. I love your work. I hope that everyone buys this book. Everyone jumps over and... Uh, gets inspired by your art because it really is inspiring. You're, you're, you're changing the dang world, man. I appreciate you for giving up the time to be here today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, listening to this episode. If you took something away and how in the world could you not have? Uh, would you do us a favor and share this episode with someone? Tag Humble the Poet. Tag me. Let us know what you got in it. And um, between now and then, I hope that you will reach for love. First, always and most importantly, within yourself before someone else. I uh, appreciate you, Humble, for being here. Thank you, man. Good luck with the book and uh, with everything else in life. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to another episode. I appreciate you all being here so, so much. Before you go, I just want to make mention of one thing that I am so excited about. My daughter, Noah, and I have put together a delightful, an amazing, a wonderful children's picture book. It's based on the fun video series that we've done online called Tea Time with Noah. And it's called Here's to Your Dreams. It, uh, It comes out on November 8th. And it's a book that hopefully encourages children to be brave, to believe in themselves, to dream big. Uh, In this, our first adventure, Noah has this big dream of becoming a sea captain. She realizes in pursuing this dream that it's not all smooth sailing. She doesn't know how to captain, doesn't have a ship, doesn't know how to build one. And that process of having to learn and try and fail and get back up teaches her that she has so much of what she's always needed already inside of her and that every time it didn't go her way, it equipped her with some skills that allowed her to be even stronger and more resilient and believe more in herself on the other side. Again, it's called Here's to Your Dreams. It comes out on November 8th and you can get it anywhere books are sold. For more info, head to the link in the show notes or to herestoyourdreams.com.